Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today, we got a Q&A. And real quick, guys, if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for being here once again to learn with us. Please leave us a five-star rating and review if you haven't. It literally takes two minutes max, probably 30 seconds to be honest with you. So if this show has helped you, please go do that. If you are new to the show, thank you for finding us. Thank you for being here. Listen through the whole podcast. And if we just like mind blown, gave you so much mind blowing information, you love the podcast. It was amazing. Go leave us a five-star rating review. If it wasn't, don't leave us a review, but tell us about it. Tell us how we can improve. Here we want to better for you. But <laughs> regardless, help the show grow. It doesn't take long. Yeah, we do this for you guys. So we got a Q&A today. Uh, we're going to dive into some really solid questions and just give as much value as possible. So let's get it, man. Here we go. We got the first one. It is coming from Hannah. It says, I am an equestrian professional and have recently gained some weight, about 10 pounds. My job is very physically demanding, and the summer months are even more difficult with the with the heat. My typical training program is based more around performance and recovery due to the fact I ride six horses a day and I'm outside about 10 hours. I train only three days a week lifting and steady state cardio. I'd like to shed the extra pounds, but I'm not sure the approach I should take to lose it without losing performance. What would you suggest I do for training and nutrition to accomplish these goals? A couple things first. Number one, did you have to Google what an equestrian said? Absolutely not. You knew what that was? Yes. I read that and was like, what the fuck is that? I had to Google it. Really? What is it? It's horse racing okay. or, or horse showing. Yeah. D- it depends on. What I got was it was a professional horse rider. Same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I guess yeah. it depends what you're riding for. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. Um, I had no idea. I was yeah. like completely Equestrian. Yep. Um, Too sophisticated for me. Seabiscuit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the second thing, this is going to be really weird. This is, this is a really weird thing to say. So, I apologize if it's weird. But this is what I was kind of thinking about. So, I've heard. I've never been horseback riding. My mom grew up riding horses a lot and uh and I've heard people talking about horsing horseback riding and uh it's I mean like you ever done like a mechanical boat bowl like your ass just hurts afterward because like they're you know you're galloping constantly yeah. so people know like it, they're sore afterwards and I've watched Yellowstone a few times so like you know they're sore afterwards yep so I'm thinking I'm like okay like before we eat steak or chicken Shannon usually tenderizes the meat it just makes it easier to cut especially chicken breasts like mm-hmm. it's so I come home and she's like just fucking pounding meat in the kitchen, yeah. you know. Um, that sounds funny. She's just hitting it, and I th- I'm thinking like, okay, does the the glute muscle itself get like tenderized to an extent? So over when time, yeah, because when you're riding a horse, you're not really training your glutes. You're you're in, you're seated, yep. So your hip flexors are flexed, your glutes are stretched, but you're not going to build glute muscle. However, I'm wondering if you would create density in that muscle from just tenderizing the meat yeah you know what i mean like it's a very weird thing to think about like but that's where my mind went right there and i was like i wonder if that's a thing because like people talk about um people have talked about training for muscle density like uh sarcoplasmic hypertrophy is when like you just do pump work all the time and your your muscle really big and there's a, like an old school myth i don't think this is really proven by any research but like you lift heavy low rep weights and you create like density to your muscles the only people that really say that are like older bodybuilders who are really fucking strong. And I don't know if that's true or if it's just like, you've just been doing it for so long. You have dense muscles. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, I wonder if that's what would happen anyway. Um, I think that's pretty, probably pretty accurate. Same exact 
concept. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. technically, the meat that you're pounding is muscle. Yep. You know, um, a little bit of fat. But, um, okay, so what should her training be like, basically? How should she go about a cut was the – I was nope. thinking about tenderizing meat at nope. the last part of it. My training program is based on performance recovery due to the fact that I ride six horses a day and outside. I train about three days a week lifting and steady-state cardio. I'd like to shed the extra pounds. I'm not sure the approach I should take. Yeah. Um, so – I mean, really, honestly, this one's pretty easy because, number one, uh, the the biggest principle of losing body fat is creating a caloric deficit. The best and most accurate way to create a caloric deficit is going to be through diet. So I don't necessarily recommend changing your training. If you're already lifting three days a week and doing some list cardio, you're already doing quite a bit on top of riding horses all day, every day. Um, I mean, a horse, on average, has got to weigh a ton, literally. Probably about a ton, you yeah. know? Um that's a lot of fucking weight to handle. So it's a workout in itself. Adding a lot of strength training and lists cardio on top of that is probably not a good idea. If I was working with you and I was like, okay, how are we going to approach this? I would probably train three days a week, um, lifting just like you are full body. And I would preferentially push, uh, more of the volume to muscles that are going to, um, uh, what's the right word? It'd be basically be antagonist. So the opposite of the muscles that you are constantly activating during riding horses. So for example, if you're riding a horse, you're constantly in a seated position and you're in a flexed position. Um, and then every time they gallop and you're trying to brace, you're pushing into the saddle and probably resisting. So we can look at like, what muscles are you constantly activating? What posture are you constantly in forward posture? So we're going to do a full body approach, but we're going to preferentially train a lot more glute upper back, lats, stuff like that, because you're constantly leaning forward. Um, the thing I will say is you're actually probably getting a little bit of a, a good amount of rowing because when you're on the horse and you're pulling back on the saddle, even though you're not doing, or not saddle, the, uh, would that, would those be the reins, I guess. Um, I think ropes. reins of like a, yeah. like a, a sleigh, but yeah. um, regardless, when you're pulling on that, even though you're not doing a full range of motion row, you're still using your traps and your lats to like brace and pull that back a little bit. Definitely. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about training more back than like front on the upper body, but the lower body probably would train more glutes and hamstrings just because you're in a flex position constantly when seated on the horse. Um, I would be doing a good amount of core, core and glute and hip mobility because I think when you're in, in any position or position as in a career or job or anything that you're constantly in a seated posture, you're more likely to have low back pain. It's just common. It's why people with desk jobs constantly have low back and shoulder pain. Um, so I'm training you based on what you're not activating enough and also what potential um, issues with posture would be created from you riding a horse all the time. Mm. Um, then I would probably cut out all this cardio. I don't think it's necessary. unless, And I would just replace it with neat Um and maybe increase your neat, your step count on days where you're not riding horses, if there's any day. So like if, let's say you do that five days a week, those two other days, I would just say, hey, like, okay, we got, you know, 8,000 steps per day, let's say, uh, that's your step goal. And just like, if you got to take a quick 10 minute walk in the middle of the day after lunch, stuff like that, just to hit it, perfect. Uh, but let's say Saturday and Sunday, you don't do that. I would probably place one of your training days on one of those days. And then I would, I would add 5,000 steps to that other day. Just because 5,000 steps is a, another 20-minute walk. You know, it's like 20, 30 minutes. Go for a walk. Nothing crazy. Um, because there's just no need for too much. And, again, those things aren't going to create a, a seriously big calorie expenditure. Um, and then I would just put you in a diet. And I know, like, one of the things that she mentioned in there, um, we deficit. tend to. 
a deficit. Yeah. One of the things she mentioned, um, I think we might've cut it out just cause we kind of shortened it was basically like the, the big fear of going to deficit is, and this is the fear with anybody. I had a conversation with, um, actually you probably saw, I shared like her audio message to me on yeah. my story, but like one of the big fears with dieting in certain people's careers and positions is just not having enough energy in order to perform their day-to-day tasks. Right? Like that's one of the first things I notice when, um, when I do anything is like, if I go into a deficit, I notice it at work. I notice that I can feel the brain fog. I can feel me having less energy. I can feel my productivity go down a little bit. Um, and I have to compensate with that by drinking two extra rock stars per day <laughs> or something along those lines. Um, semi joking, but the point is, is that's, that's a fear. And that's also why like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, like we have to, we can't go like, all right, let's create deficit and add a bunch of training then you're really going to fuck up your performance for your job, your work, your, your, your hobbies, all those kind of things. Instead we go, Hey, let's create a deficit that is going to create meaningful progress while just keeping training to a minimum effective dose essentially. Um, so we can still optimize recovery and all that. And then when we need to add a refeed or anything like that, you do. But the point is, is if you do it that way, you don't burn out, you create a meaningful deficit and then you're not spinning reels. I just recorded a reel about this. I think the problem is people go, well, because I have this high demand job or anything like that, I'm going to be very conservative with my deficit and I'm going to focus on a slow and sustainable approach, which in theory and on paper sounds like the right thing to do. And most research would point to that. People always talk about like, you got to go slow and steady. It's always that way. But if you look at research on fat loss, taking a slow and steady approach is still making a big deficit in the beginning and then making small adjustments along the way. And I think that's where people go wrong. They create a deficit in the beginning and they just spin their wheels because they go, well, I'm in a deficit and I'm not losing any weight. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so now you're spending time with less energy because you're eating less and you're technically in a deficit. So it's stressful, but it's not a big enough deficit to actually lose any fucking weight. So you have no return of investment. So you're working hard and getting nowhere. I would much rather go, hey, like this is going to, you're going to be hungry, but let's just get the job fucking done. Let's get you into a deficit where we know for a fact you're going out of that maintenance range and you're going to consistently lose weight week after week after week because as you lose body fat, your energy will also improve. You will feel better and we can get out of the deficit sooner instead of letting it linger. Let's turn this 16-week diet into an 8 to 10-week diet because you don't have a ton of weight to lose and we could just, for lack of better terms, dick around and take this little tiny deficit or we can just... Go aggressive. Yeah, you know. Um, What is it? Cut the... Head, snake of the head off or, yeah. or the head of the snake off or whatever and just get it done. Yeah. Um, so that's how I would go about it. I would just, uh, I would plan on that. And um, I typically find that people can use a little bit extra protein. Uh, it just, there's a psychological effect and, and there's no study on this for protein, but there's, there's a lot of research on uh, ingesting carbohydrates pre and during training and it being just as effective as actual carbohydrates, even though it's artificial. So they'll take zero calorie artificial carbs and sugars and stuff, which technically have no energy and people will have better performance from that. And it's, so there's a, there's a psychological uh, link between your taste buds and digestion, the saliva and the bile and the process of absorbing nutrients and your brain. And when you improve your performance because you feel like you're eating calories, you know, that's a thing. So if we can eat more protein, which isn't going to store as fat. We know that, especially if you're just going to like 1.2, 1.5. It feels like a lot of protein, but I think most of the time that makes people feel like they're not dieting as hard totally. and it helps them adhere better, helps their hunger, helps their energy. <coughs> Even if that nutrient isn't actually providing literal energy, it's a psychological thing. Yeah. You know, so I think that's always worth mentioning too. For sure. I love it. All right, we'll move on to the next question. Uh, it is from Courtney. It says, is, is a walking pad worth the cost? During... 
During summer months in Arizona, walking outside is not an option and looking to increase my step count. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Arizona gets fucking brutal. Um, like, physically not possible to walk on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> you, you know what would be, because we talk, you and I have talked about, like, different places to live and everything. And you were like, why not Arizona? You know, like, one of the big things for me was, is that you can't really have grass there. You have to have artificial grass. Yeah. Yeah, Texas would be harder than here. You for have sure to, too. yeah. Yeah, Texas has artificial grass. A lot of places do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I even people in my neighborhood have turf. Yeah, I think it looks that's weird. by choice, though. Yeah, exactly, because they're lazy and don't want to mow. Yeah, but and I think to be honest with you, it looks weird because when you see your neighbor has nice plush real glass yes. and you got turf, it's yeah. like it's just weird. Yeah, and if you ever clean dog poop out of turf, it is not fun. Mm-hmm. It's not a good time, and it doesn't grow, so it's like it's still there a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's no. Um. Anyway. But I'd like the the appeal of like red rock yards looks weird to me. Maybe yeah. that's because we grew up here. I just yeah. don't, I don't know. But um, I think it's absolutely worth it. Fuck yeah. I mean, I don't know how much they cost. So I yeah. don't know. I, I'm not going to say like, yeah, let's look that up. Because I don't know. I mean, it can't be that much. I bought a treadmill for 250 bucks on Amazon. Mm. And it's basically a walking pad. It's not really a heavy duty. Yeah. 450. 450 bucks? Yep. Brand walking pad why is, on Amazon. Why is a, a treadmill that I got cheaper than that? Maybe I didn't pay two fifty. <laughs> Maybe it was three hundred. I know it wasn't four fifty. Walking pad, folding treadmill, ultimate slim foldable treadmill, smart folding walking pad, portable safety. Brand is walking pad. Four hundred and forty nine dollars yeah. on Prime. Yeah, I mean, so this is all relevant to your income. You know, like I, I get this question with uh, supplements, right? People will be like, um, and look, I'm and we're sponsored by First Form. Shout out firstform.com slash coach method. But like literally people will ask like, well, is, is the magnesium, like, is it worth it? Should I spend the money? Granted, it's crazy because their magnesium, I didn't realize until like the other day, I was like, how have I not ran out of this fucking thing yet? And it's got like 120 servings in it for this little thing. So it's actually, their magnesium is a really good deal. But like, that's one, for example, you can easily get magnesium for, from food. Do you need it? No. If you don't mind spending the money to just have like a, Mine is like peach ring flavored. Yep. I like having it on some ice at night. It's a good little beverage to have at night. And it's getting my magnesium in, which is going to help my recovery. I don't mind spending money on that because I always have invested in supplements. Even though right now I don't have to spend money on theirs because they sponsor us. But before they did, I still spent money on supplements. Mm-hmm. That is an expense I'm willing to make because I don't make expenses on other shit that don't mean anything to me. So is a walking pad worth it? To me, it would be. If I lived in Arizona, I would absolutely buy one of those. Yep. Because I value a higher step count. I value my health. Um, I value the tool as a way to increase my step count when I'm on a cut. I thought about getting one during my photo shoot prep because I had to take breaks to go walk or I'd have to walk at night. And I was like, man, I could just get one of those and just work and walk. And it would save me a lot of time. Yeah. But it's totally one of those things that's up to you. Um, I think it's I think it's worth it. Totally. They're more expensive than I thought, to be honest with you. I depends didn't think on, like, this. The scenario, like you're saying, though. Yeah. And I've also seen people, you, you should Google this. Like, if you have a treadmill already, if you have a bike or anything, I've seen people build, like, little fucking floating desks that just clip onto their assault bike or clip onto the handles of their treadmill. You got to be, like, kind of crafty. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I guarantee Shannon could do it. That's how much of a man I am. I wouldn't actually <clears throat> build it myself. I'd ask my wife. Yeah. <laughs> She's better at that than me. Damn. But Yeah, it's just a... Standing desk over a treadmill. Or not a treadmill, sorry. A uh, bike? A, a bike. Do they sell a them? St- stationary bike. So this is called a under desk bike. 
And they sell it? Yeah. Damn, that's dope. $1,200. Oh, bucks. under desk bike. Yeah. I'm talking about, like, I saw this dude. Uh, actually, I think it was Marcus Philly. If you guys go look up Marcus Philly, I'm pretty damn sure he has it. I don't know if anybody moves as much as that guy. He is, like, the most active person in the fitness industry. It's crazy. And he has, I've seen him ride his bike and type on his fucking computer. Wow. You guys see a picture of it? No. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I saw it on Instagram a while ago. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's worth it. If you can add movement to, to what you're doing day to day. I would also say this too. If you haven't listened to the podcast I did with um, Dr. Greg Wells, phenomenal podcast. One of my favorite podcasts. He wrote the book, uh, uh, is it, what is it? Rest, Recover, Refresh or something like that. I just read it. And Rest, then he refocus, recharge. There you go. And he has another one that's really, really popular. The Ripple Effect. The Ripple Effect. That's like his, his first real, real famous popular book. Um, but we talked about the science behind when you move, your brain actually functions better, which is why like I typically, I, it's, this isn't why I did it, but it that definitely encouraged me to keep doing it. When I take calls, I'm walking. Even if I'm in my office, I'm just pacing. Yeah. In fact, it's funny because I looked at my security camera not that long ago and watched myself. And it like, I noticed like little things I do, like the path I take in my office, like I walk around certain things. I always have one hand behind my back. Really weird. weird. Very weird. Like consciously. Uh, Obviously no, not. I didn't even notice yeah. until I saw it. I just always have my right arm behind my lower back. Interesting. Very weird. But that actually changes the way your brain works. Mm. You know what I mean? And this is why, like I made that post about, uh, I believe that anxiety, stress, depression, and even suicide would be, um, much lower as like completely lower as a rate in the world if more people were fit, healthy, and moved more. And it's not just because I'm a biased fitness trainer. Um, I've looked at the research on how the brain works, the neurotransmitters, things like that. You don't need to be ripped in order to see this effect. You need to just be active. Yeah. You know, it's, they, they see this when they have schools who put more emphasis into PE class versus schools that don't. They have, there's like old, he was talking about in the podcast with old uh, Greek gymnasiums and the reason they created them is because they noticed if they put all the kids had to go through PE class before starting anything else or doing tests or anything because it made their test scores better like it's just your brain works better when you move more Um, and we also know that it relieves anxiety stress depression all those kind of things Um, I started looking into a lot of this pretty heavily after um, it's not something we've really talked about on the podcast and I don't really see the need to honestly but um, not too long ago year and a half ago my aunt committed suicide and that's took me for a whole turn of like looking into the brain and honestly depression and all those kind of things of like, why, why would somebody do this? And why, how can we fix this? How can we change this? Um, Eric Helms is really big on this too. And he actually donates every time. This is why I subscribe to mass every year. I paid for a lifetime membership. It was like really expensive, but like they donate a bunch to the suicide prevention Mm. fund. Um, But point being is like, Movement's one of those things, you know? Like I said, that, I think we recorded a little bit about it in a podcast, but I posted about it, like, and a couple people got kind of triggered by it, but it was like, there's studies to show this. Like, if people worked harder and got outside more and moved their body more, I think there would be less depression, yeah. less stress, less anxiety. More like, fulfillment. More fulfillment in life. Yeah. There's nothing more fulfilling than working hard and then having something afterwards. Yeah. Like, achieving something. Yeah. Things that are handed to you just don't, they don't give you, it just doesn't give you that feeling, yeah. you know? But... All right, cool. That's so what you, I loved about that LeBron, even though I'm not a LeBron fan. Yeah. That uh, iconic thing yeah. where it says earn everything. and he's, I can't remember what he's doing in that one. There was another really great. But I can't remember if he was kneeling or if he was. Nope. Do you have a hat? Like, there was a few 
that were on there that I was looking at. That's why I can't remember which one. There was one that was pretty dope. He's just standing there looking over his shoulder. The reason I didn't get it because it said always the king. Uh. And I was like, I can't get that. <laughs> Even though I'm not a huge basketball fan. But but it is a dope picture. He's wearing the Lakers jersey and he's like walking and there's like this crowd around him. But he's light and they're all dark. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty epic fucking photo. So, yes, the walking pad is worth it. Yeah, definitely go get that. All right, cool. The next question is going to come from Anonymous. It says, I train five to six days a week, two lower body days, two back days, and one to two shoulder and arm days. My goal is hypertrophy, and I compete in uh, bikini. Volume per session is, is high at the moment. I start with my workouts with compound lifts and heavier sets and finish with more accessory-type higher rep exercises. If I run out of time and I, can, cannot, I cannot complete my, my last one or two leg exercises due to life or schedule, should I throw them in the next day during back day? Wait, should I throw them in the next day yeah, makes sense. during back day? Or should I dedicate... That day to just resting and recovering my legs. This happens a few times a month right now. I spend close to two hours a day in the gym on most days. Yeah, so I have a few opinions on this. Like, number one, we have to always remember that, like, high-frequency training has been shown to be pretty effective um, as long as you're not doing too much per session. So what I would say is this. Like, if you – if my first thought would have been don't carry it over because if you train your legs really hard on Monday and then you have a little bit left that you have to squeeze in on Tuesday – Tuesday's training might disturb the recovery from Monday. And if you disturb the recovery from Monday, you're not going to grow the muscle as much as you would have if you just let it fucking recover. And muscle protein synthesis do its course. We're creating more breakdown when it's trying to stimulate growth, right? Um, However, there's a lot of research on high-frequency training that shows that that doesn't happen. But in the research of high-frequency training, it's like, okay, we're doing legs five days a week because it's full body. But they do like hamstrings on Monday, quads on Tuesday, glutes on Wednesday, hamstrings and quads again on Thursday. So like, yeah, they're doing legs and the quads are getting touched a little bit on multiple days, but like they're still an emphasis day to day. Um, and they're not doing a ton of volume in one day. If you're doing a leg day, you're probably doing a lot of volume. Yeah. I probably wouldn't carry it over. The second thought is that if you, and this is a good example of, I just, uh, starting this week, switched back to a five day split. I wanted to run a six-day split. I've been trying to, but there has been like, so I look at it like in a grand scheme of things. I'm like, okay, I've been six weeks on this six-day split and 50% of the weeks I've had to skip a full day or cut out parts of the day. That tells me that I don't have enough time to do a six-day split, plain and simple. I either have something going on the weekend, so I have to rush it or I have to do it in my garage gym and it fucks up the type of training I'm doing, so I'm not getting as much volume. I would be better spent just training Monday through Friday and skipping the weekend right? Or doing like I'm doing now, like a five day split. And when I know I can train on the weekend, I will. So like, I know for a fact, I will be able to train tomorrow morning. So I'm not going to train today. So I can get some extra work done. I'll train in the morning. But on a weekend where I know for a fact, I won't train because we got family stuff or out of town, whatever's going on. I'm just going to train Monday through Friday. Right. So sometimes you have to just go, okay, like what's optimal and what's practical. I want to do a six day split because I want to build more muscle. I know it's optimal because I can do more volume, but can I accomplish it? Totally. I can do a half-ass five-day split because I'm attempting a six-day split, or I can do an optimal five-day split because that's what I'm attempting to do. What, w- what would you say, like, the percentage be, like, you say, can I accomplish it? Can accomplish it? Would you say to yourself, mm-hmm. can I accomplish it 80% of the time, 70%? Like, till, yeah. until you can say, no, this isn't, yeah. isn't worth it. I would say 80 to 90% of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, probably even 90. Like, to be honest with you, like, to, be, I ha- to so, make it worth it. Yeah. So I had uh, a check-in with one of my guys this week and he, he was like the only deviation of the week. Cause that's one of the questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
was that he had to skip a leg day because uh, he had a work meeting, blah, blah, blah. And he basically was like, I had to skip a day and I chose to skip legs. And I was like, I'm with you. Like, if that's like your least priority to grow and you're doing, he's doing a push pull leg split, so six days a week, it's like, yeah, we might as well cut the leg day instead of the second chest or second push or pull because those are more of a priority upper body, which is really common for dudes. Like, yeah. you know, um, but he was kind of down on himself about it. And I was like, let's calculate how many days you've missed in the grand scheme of us working together. And we literally were like, okay, here's how many workouts you've done. And it was like, literally out of a hundred something workouts, you have missed three. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you're crushing it on a percentage to percentage basis. So and th- he immediately was like, damn, when you look at it like that, I'm totally fine. I have no problem skipping it because every once in a while life happens. You got to do it. It was an important work meeting. So if that's the case, whatever. But I think when it starts happening on a regular basis, you just got to switch the split. Yeah. You just got to admit that you can't do that much volume. Um, and then the, the only other thing I would say is like, I think that you can, you have to make a decision when you're going into your training session too. If you have to cut the session short, like you basically go like, okay, because I, I, I program similar to how she was breaking it down. I think it's smart. You kind of start with your heavier movements, and then you go into your accessory movements, and you finish with your lightweight movements. You're most likely missing out on your lightweight movements. But we go, okay, where can we superset? Where can we cut a set? Where can we, Like, what's most important here, right? So if I'm doing, like, an upper body day, um, even on the days where for a while I was going, like, sometimes I'll superset, but a lot of times lately, if I have the time, I'm going to go – like chest, chest, shoulders, shoulders, back, back. I'm just going to sit on this one muscle and accomplish all my sets instead of supersetting. I'm going to take my time, lift as heavy as I can. But if I'm going to rush, I'm bringing the, the back exercises up into the session so I can go like chest back, chest back, shoulders back, shoulders back. You know what I mean? I superset, save time. Yeah. Leg days, you can't really do that because it's just going to make your progress worse. But if you're doing five sets of squats, four sets of glutes, all these things, like maybe you cut a set out of those because – if your goal is strength, it would be better to, to skip the ending of the workout when you're doing hip abductions and calf raises and little isolation exercises for hypertrophy. Just focus on doing all your sets of the strength work. But if your goal is physique development and hypertrophy, then you would want to cut a set of those so you can still get those other exercises in because exercise variety is way more important for body composition than it is for strength because you need to be able to hit the muscle in different ways. So I'd rather you go, okay, instead of four sets of squat, do three. Instead of four sets of RDLs after those squats, do three. That way you have enough time to still crank out a couple sets of those sit-ups, hip abductions, stuff like that. What you before? Light? Uh, like a lighter accessory isolation exercises, gotcha. pump work at the end of the session. Um, and that's the other thing too is a lot of people put abs on leg day. So if, you're, if you don't barely have enough time to do your, your – whole session, skip the abs. Your abs are going to get hit everywhere else. And you can do those tonight. You can do those in the morning. You can do those in any session. You can do two sets of those on every single day. They're going to be fine. They're easy. So, um, yeah, that's how I would probably approach it. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. All right. There you go. Uh, Let's move on to the next one. It says, it's from Michelle. What are your, this is very generic, but what are your top tips for being productive or productivity? Um, top three tips, super, super quick and easy. And I'll maybe like break down them a little bit. Um, number one time block. If you don't have your day structured in time blocks, it's, you're going to be fucked. Like it's just, things aren't going to go, you know, even like even days where, I mean, today I was like, all right, let's podcast with this. And you were like, fuck. All right. Because I was like, I have this right after this. And I made a joke. I was like, my life's chaos. Let's go. Yeah. Like, but it's technically Structured. scheduled chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's structured, yeah, yeah. you know, it's controlled. Like, because 
I know that at the top of this hour, this hour, like I just know what's going on. Um, if I didn't, things would just kind of float and be, and that's why I like, I live by the fucking calendar, you yeah. know? So time blocks really important. And I also think abiding by those time blocks is important. So, um, for example, if I have a time block and it says podcast or it's podcast isn't a good example because it's easy for us to, cause there's a timer right here, but let's say like write an article or programming or client emails or anything like that. And it starts at 10 and it ends at 11. I have one hour. If it hits 11 and my timer goes off, which by the way, there's literally simple apps you can get on your MacBook that just create timers with breaks in between. There's, uh, they g- give you a buzzer. They give you a 10 minute warning. Like they're super easy to use. I use them all the time. But if you're not done, yeah, if I'm not done and it goes off, I'm done. Like I have to be, I have to be wrapped up. Right. If it's like literally I'm finishing my last sentence with a client, I'm not going to go, Oh, all done. Yeah. Like I'm not going to finish this email. But if I'm writing an article or if I'm like out of 50 emails, I'm, I'm like 45 in, like I got to stop. Because the next time block is just as important as the first time block, right? So let's say I am writing an article and the next time block is clients, right? If I'm not done with the article like I thought I would be, I have to wrap up where I'm at right now because otherwise it'll bleed into this time block and then that one will bleed into the next one. And then I'm just a big jumbled mess and the time blocks are irrelevant. You have to start and you have to finish on time. And part of the reason you have to do this is because until you go through a, a full week of not completing a bunch of shit because you didn't finish anything in your time blocks. You'll figure it out. Yeah. You will not be accountable to be productive. Yeah. Right. So this next tip I'm going to give you, you won't be accountable to actually do this and be more productive unless you see that, man, I didn't finish everything in my time blocks because I kept fucking around on my phone. Right. But the next tip, put your phone on your desk. (laughs) Do not disturb in the desk. All done. Right. I'm literally this close to getting a work phone, dude. And like only having, or I'm sorry, a personal phone. This would be my work phone because. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Everybody already has my number. Yeah. But like point being is like, I would have a personal number and I would give it to like a small group of people. Cause then I can actually turn off. I'm pretty damn good at turning off to be honest with you. So this really wouldn't solve the main issue of not putting my phone into my desk when I need to. not having your personal. Yeah. Um, but like what I would suggest to people and this is what I often do when I really need to buckle down is I my phone stays on do not disturb 24 7 so that's a given I think everybody should do that but put your phone in your desk uh, and just go to work you know because again when you have those time blocks and you're structured to them and you don't finish what you need to finish and then you look at like okay I didn't finish anything this week journal about it why didn't you I can almost guarantee it's going to have something to do with your phone yeah because it's going to be Instagram or it's going to be emails or it's going to be text I mean it's just what it is yeah um so Put it in there. Um, you can also set up like uh, like app blockers. You don't need an app for this. It's literally programmed in Apple, which is really cool. So you can just go to your settings. You can literally block apps from time to time. So mm-hmm. if you're like, man, I keep getting on Instagram. Okay. Like you can literally go in your app and say, I cannot get on Instagram from 12 to 5, right? Now, if as long as you have your face ID or your password, you can turn it off. So it's not like you literally are forbidden from doing it. Yeah. But it'll stop you and you have to go into your settings and change that setting off just to get in there. <coughs> if you set that... And then it blocks you, and then you go all the way out of your way. To unblock it. Like, that's pathetic. Yeah. You know? And you're going to stop yourself and go, okay, this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Is Instagram that important? You know? And I, and I was talking to somebody about this recently, too. Like, if you really think about it, like, this statement alone sometimes has to be repeated, but we feel this urge to check our phone. If you literally stop and try to run through the scenarios of, like, is anybody, is like, is there going to be an emergency here, right? This is why I do not disturb, and I don't see any texts. And I only have a couple people I can get through my, my 
phone when it's on do not disturb. And like with my wife, it's like call twice. So I know it's an emergency, but like I need to check my phone to see if anybody texts me. Why? You think if somebody's dying or hurt or something going on, they're going to text you. They're going to fucking blow you up until you answer. Yeah. Or 911 is going to call you and say, Hey, your wife's at the hospital. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's not going to be an Instagram notification about it. Right. And then on top of that, I think of like, okay, all the people in my life, 95% of them or more aren't going to call me as the first person, not because they don't love me, but because they have a wife or a husband or a mom or somebody that is their first contact, yeah. <laughs> their emergency contact, you know, like it's, it's very rare. Right. And it, the people who are though, they'll, they'll blow me up until I answer. Cause they know that they need me or it'll be fucking one in the morning and you're calling me. I'm like, okay, there's something's up. Yeah. You know, why would you be calling me at one in the morning on a Tuesday? Um, unless you were that drunk. <laughs> I love you, man. On Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so put your phone on your desk. Um, I, w- the third one, uh, I would honestly say is, is really just, it's kind of a tie because part of me wants, this isn't like a productivity hack, but I think most people just need to get healthier. I think if you focus on getting better sleep, if you focused on improving your diet, if you focused on, like we were talking about earlier, moving more, getting outside more, if you get more sunlight, if you're more active, if you eat healthier, if you get more sleep, all of those things contribute to way higher levels of energy and clarity and focus. They literally improve your eyesight. They improve your focus, your, your ability to have tunnel vision, so on and so forth. All of those things are going to, they're going to pay off, right? Um, better nutrients for your brain. So like, that's a given, but the other hack I would say is it goes back to the phone again. Um, it's just turning off all notifications. So like basic, for example, and this is one of the things I told one of our coaches and she was like, I don't know. I never thought of that. And it's like, you have the Gmail app, right? Yes. Okay, cool. That's your work app. Like you have your work email logged in there, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Go there and turn off all notifications so that you never see the red bubble of how many emails you have. Because if it's just stacking up over the weekend, you're not going to make it to the end of the weekend. Yeah. You're going to want to know <laughs> what yeah. those emails are. But if you never see the red bubble, it's way easier to take them off. Mentally, and it just doesn't trigger you. It just doesn't register. Yeah. Do that to Instagram. Do that to Facebook. Do that to all. You can do it to any app, yeah. literally. Then you can, if it's on Do Not Disturb, you, you can set it up. Uh, so I have it set up to where there's different classifications of Do Not Disturb as well to where when I hit 410 in this area, 410 is the highway by our, our work for people listening. Um, the, uh, the phone actually goes into work, do not disturb. Mm. So it doesn't even show me text messages. It doesn't show me the ring alarm and all that shit. Cause I don't want to see every time Bubba moves, you know what I mean? It just disturbs me. So I, I can set up, okay, what ones do I want to notify me? What don't, and it's basically nothing at all except calls yeah. from people on my favorites list. And then when I leave here, it'll start showing me the ring alarm. Cause I'm not here anymore. I want to see if our alarm is going off at the warehouse, right? Customize it. Yeah, super cool. But um, doing things like that just to prevent it and then take your fucking email off of your iPhone. Like, I was like, hey, make your, your phone's email, like the little icon at the bottom that comes with, like change that to a personal email that you just get random spam and if you buy clothes, you do anything, you need to track stuff, it all goes to that email. So I have my like personal Gmail that is attached there. So if I'm looking for like UPS tracking numbers, shit like that, I just go there. To the mail app. Exactly. And then my work app is connected to the Gmail app that I can turn off notifications with. They're separate. So I can still check the emails I need to on the weekend and not those ones. Super, super easy way to just make sure that you're not getting disturbed. That's really all it boils down to because at the end of the day, like what is productivity? It's spacing out your schedule with a structure and eliminating all distractions. But if, if you go, well, I don't know what to put in my time block. Well, then you don't know what the fuck you want to accomplish. Yeah. Literally. So like, um, if you start there, (laughs) yeah, if you can't create time blocks or you create like two and you're like, well, what am I going to do the rest of the week? You got to figure out what the fuck you want. You know, what are you after? What is your goal? 
And we don't even know that. I mean, even if you're at like a corporate job or you're not an entrepreneur, like you've got tasks, I hope, at work. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> you know, and even here, you you will be like, we know exactly all the things you're working on. And then I'm like, okay, well, I know that like, yeah, it's I mean, on a huge whiteboard right in front of your face. But like, let's say your time blocks are maxed out until Thursday and it's like, man, halfway thurs- through Thursday and then all Friday, I got shit unless yeah. we're recording. Yeah. Because I'm my time blocks are so dialed in. It's like, okay, well, let's get busy. What yeah. can we fill those with? Right. Yeah. And if you don't have time blocks, you'll get to that midday Thursday point. You're like, all right, well, now what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and there's still stuff to get done. You just don't know it. 100%. Yeah. You know, even, even like if you're a stay-at-home mom, what are you doing with your kids? What are you teaching them to? What are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like literally it, it got, it, it's Life. gotten to the point. I don't know why she says today. She still hasn't figured out that tomorrow is the next day. Ooh. Likely. But every oh. night she goes, mom, what are we doing today? And she goes, tomorrow. She goes, tomorrow. And we're like, okay. And then she'll tell her, we're going to do this. We're going to blow up your pool. Then we'll do that. And then we'll come inside. We'll have lunch. Then we're going to clean. So you're going to help me with this. You know, like she has like the structure. So she knows. And then Blakely can get into a routine of things. When are we reading? When are we learning? When is she going to preschool? When preschool's in? She's obviously it's out of school right now. Yep. But like routine, you know what I mean? If you don't, then there's no structure. I, I mean, that's what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and I think obviously there's a, there's a time where I can get a little, I'm a little bit over the top sometimes because we'll be on the weekends and sometimes the weekends are meant to just do nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well I'm gonna go to the what's, dump. What's at at four o'clock? Too? Yeah. Ex- <laughs> well, I literally will be like, like, okay, I'm waking up at this time. Then I'm gonna work out. Then I'm gonna read. Then I'm gonna go on a walk. Um, I usually get my haircuts on Saturday. So I'll do that in the morning. Then it's like, I got to go to the dump. So I'm gonna do that this time. I'll mow. When do you want to eat dinner? Should we go to Bloom? Like, and I'm like, and Shannon sometimes like, how about we just fucking sit around? Yeah. We'll figure it out. And I'm like, no, I hear you. You know, I hate, but, I don't, I, well, I won't say as much as you, but I hate not having a plan. Yeah. A plan's different than being so structured. Yeah. But like, I want to know if, if we have something going on, when we're going to do it. Yeah. I'm structured just even just at home like when it's nothing, like, but you are good about like, if, if, if there's something going on, planning it. Yeah. Yeah. Better know when the fuck, but that's, and that's also why everybody, I mean, shit, even in the case when you're not the best man, it's like, yo, can you play on my bachelor party? Yeah. <laughs> Cause we know it's going to be dope. Be All right. Uh, we got a couple more here. Let's see. We have uh, one coming from anonymous. We'll say here, can you explain quote unquote, creating a calorie deficit more? Are you essentially tricking your body to think a certain calorie intake as quote unquote maintenance? And then after a certain time dropping your calories, I'm having trouble understanding when I should decide to drop calories and by how many I should drop them, but without sacrificing energy for me to use in the gym. I would prefer not to start using pre-workout either. I get about seven hours of sleep a day. I drink 128 ounces of water per day. Currently, I'm eating 2,500 to 2,600 calories per day and tracking in MyFitnessPal. My height is 5'11 and currently have been floating around 205 to 210 pounds for about three years now. I started using the Taylor Trainer app about six months ago and have seen small positive change in my body, but huge gains in my strength. Would really appreciate your advice on this, and I enjoy listening to your podcast. Let's go. Um, okay, so a, a couple things as prequels. Number one, if you want to be like this, is it anonymous? Yep. This individual and see some awesome strength gains and some body composition change. Head over to tailoredtrainerapp.com. That link will be in the description of this podcast, and you can get access to all of my programs. They will be delivered right to the palm of your hand in your phone. Um, it's literally like having me in your hand, and you can put me in your pocket. 
weird as that is. Um, number two, for you, the person asking this question and for anybody else who can relate to this, go to tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash guides and download the Tailored Nutrition Method ebook. It's completely free. It's 87 pages. It's going to give you a shit ton of information about this specific topic because there's quite a bit that you would have to figure out and dial in and learn, and this will just cover all that for you. Um, and what you should also do too, you can actually just go to the videos while you're on tailoredcoachingmethod.com. Um, you can hit the menu, go to videos. We have a, a YouTube video on this. You can go to the YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash Cody McBroom1. Um, but it's called uh, the, 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 really, the one we got a good amount of views on. Uh, how, I think it's how to create a calorie deficit, right? Or how to create a, something along that line. Something along that line. Like how to create a diet for fat loss or something like that. Um, do you want to look it up real quick so they know the title to go to? But that video, I literally talk about the different types of calorie deficits you can create and how to determine what kind of calorie deficit you should create for you individually. Um, so it's one of our more popular videos and it literally answers your question to the T. Um, and that is... I don't have it. Drum roll, please. I turned the internet off. I was, oh. um, I'm not trying to have my... Th- yeah, I hear you. Um, so check that out. Uh, it's it's uh, one of the more recent videos on YouTube. Um, but those will help you a lot. And I think... You know, just a couple quick, really easy answers and ways to look at this. Like, number one, you're never tricking your body into anything. Your body is pretty fucking smart. Um, Number two, maintenance calories is not something we're trying to trick your body into thinking. It's just what it is. So your maintenance intake is literally, so if you're maintaining that weight that you just said right there, then the calories you're consuming, which I believe you said is 25 to 2600, those are your maintenance calories. Um, The reason I think you should read the Taylor Nutrition Method is because if you're maintaining calories on those, or maintaining weight on those calories, and you desire fat loss, but you have not yet dialed in your macronutrients within those calories, I think you could start seeing fat loss results by literally just changing your macronutrient ratios. So like if somebody's consuming 25 to 2600 and their like protein is pretty low, their fats are kind of high and their carbs are low or like their fats and carbs kind of fluctuate and their protein's <laughs> just too low. Mm-hmm. I can go in there and go, "Oh, this is perfect. Let's crank your protein up, bring your carbs up, drop your fats down and keep your calories right where they're at." So we don't have this drop in metabolism necessarily uh, because we're not creating any deficit. We're staying at maintenance, but we've restructured the uh the breakdown of those calories by macros, essentially because your macros equate to your calories. And now you're going to see more muscle growth, more fat loss because we've changed the ratio of macros within those calories. That's why you can't just always go by calories. So that would be step one. And what you're doing here is not tricking your body into anything. You're just literally giving your body what it needs to rebuild tissue and train harder, which is going to burn more calories and build more muscle, which is going to require more energy right, from your body, you're going to give yourself more carbs, which is going to crank up your uh, carbs and protein, which is going to crank up your thermic effect of food, and the carbs are going to crank up your eat, which would be your exercise activity thermogenesis, so you're burning more calories day to day by walking, moving, training, so on and so forth, and then you're bringing your fats down to try to mitigate fat storage a little bit more, not saying that fat is always going to store its fat, but if we're consuming too much fat, it probably will, um, and you can see a recomp here, you can start seeing fat loss because you've given your body more of what it needs in order to create that favorable change in result. Um, did you find the video? Yeah. How to set up your diet for fat loss. There you go. Um, really, really dialed in video on this exact topic. Um, and next, what I would say is once that stalls out, or maybe you're in a point where you're listening, you're like, Oh, I've already done the macro thing. I'm still here. Well then, yeah, you need to create a deficit, but you're not like tricking your body. What you're doing is you're taking something away from your body and your body. There's a, there's a specific amount of time. Your body will 
take in order to adapt to that and, and during that time, metabolic adaptation, during that time, it will start mobilizing fat tissue on the body as energy. So when we go into a deficit, now it goes from being at maintenance and we're like, we're taking in enough energy through food to support what I need to do for walking, moving, thinking, uh, cell turnover, uh, mitochondrial function, like everything in life. But then you take away 500 calories a day, let's say. Now you're eating 2,000 calories. Well, now your body's like, fuck, I don't have enough coming in to support all these functions at the body weight I'm at. I don't have enough calories to support my energy, my uh, physiological needs, and to support this much mass. So what does it do? It takes from stored energy, which is body fat. It takes that stored body fat, it mobilizes it, and when it mobilizes it, it converts it into something that can be burned as energy so that you can continue living your life and training and doing all the things you need to do. Um, at a certain point, your body loses weight, you adapt, and your body does not, no, does no longer requires as much calories coming in to support the amount of weight that you maintain and the physiological functions on top of that. And at that point, you plateau, right? And that's where you go, okay, now I, I'm either at my goal and I can try to focus on a reverse diet if yeah. I'm able to, or I need to pull more calories and continue the fat loss journey until I'm completely done. And then at that point, you would reverse diet to what your new hypothetical maintenance would be. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, that's a calorie deficit in a nutshell. I mean, it's literally eating less than you're burning, uh, like in simple terms, but that's why you would do it. That's what your body is kind of going through in the moment. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, I could go any, any which way with this as far as like how to dial it in more, when to add cardio for that deficit, reverse dieting, all that kind of stuff. But that is what we do coaching for. So if you are looking for coaching, obviously taylorcoachingmethod.com slash online dash coaching. You can also just go to the homepage. It's the first button you see. So taylorcoachingmethod.com is a big ass yellow button right at the front. Click it. You can apply free call, no strings attached. We'll talk to you, help you out um, and give you as much value on the call as possible. And if it's a good fit, you can work with us and we can get you to your result as fast as possible. Um, and if you're not ready for that, start with the ebook because the ebook is amazing. I wrote it a while ago, but it is full of content. Um, and I believe that's the last question that's for today, it, yeah. right? So Guys, we have so much free content. Again, if, if this helped you out and you're a new listener, please do me a huge favor. Leave us a five-star rating review. Share this with somebody that could learn from this and benefit from um, all the information we gave today with health, productivity, all that kind of stuff. Um, and as always, tailoredcoachingmethod.com for all of our free content and coaching. We appreciate you guys for listening and we will catch you next time.